Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here in this fresh, well, it's actually a fresh new Jewish year, but uh, for all the rest of you, it's the middle of September. Can you believe it? How time is absolutely flying. And we've got National Bride coming up on Monday. Don't think that's its official, you know, designation, but what, what, you know, what can I say? It's another public holiday. And uh, along with all the holidays that are coming up over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be a very, very interesting um, time. Now, what's actually even more interesting is that my internet is not working. So <laughs> I have a little bit of a, a challenge around uh, the internet. Anyway, not too serious. What we're going to do is just talk in any event. Well, guess what? Interesting week. And Sony are going back to the future, which is a very, very interesting story. What they're doing is the original PlayStation. Now, who of us don't remember the original PlayStation? Changed the world, changed the way that um, we we operate, and changes the way that uh, we, you know, we played games on our TV. Suddenly, from just being this TV thing that we used for just watching shows, suddenly became this central hub for every younger and even somewhat older person in the house. And quite a change it was. But the original PlayStation is coming back in mini form. So what Sony have done is they've brought out a complete PlayStation 1, but it's tiny. It's basically the size of a book instead of this big, huge thing. They've put all that technology into a little book-like device, and that has got all the tech all the gadgets, everything that you can possibly need to play Sony PlayStation 1 games. So those will all come over the Internet, which is interesting. So you obviously got to hook it up to the Internet to play. But the controllers and the little box um, is going to be available. And it's coming to South Africa probably in a couple of weeks. So uh, good on Sony. I don't know how big a market it will be, though when Nintendo did the same thing, they sold out instantly. It was just a huge hit. So if you really pricing, we don't know yet, but it shouldn't be terribly, terribly expensive because the benefit is that most of the tech involved in there is so commodified, if you want to put it that way. It's so available at a very low price pretty much anywhere. So good on Sony and good on uh, um, a little bit of retro stuff. And it's amazing what you can do to bring back technology from the dead, if you want to put it that way, and um, bring out something cool. So it looks exactly, exactly like the original PlayStation. It has the PlayStation controllers like the uh, original PlayStation, and it's brand new coming right now to a retailer near you. And um, the whole gaming thing, I mean, the PlayStation 4 the new Xboxes, has taken off at an unbelievable rate. Though, we'll talk a little bit about this a little later, but what I saw at Comic-Con over the weekend, which was really, really, really interesting, I couldn't believe how people dressed up, how they um, got themselves all going over this stuff. But it really, really was very interesting to see that. But gaming is coming more and more to mobile and uh, MTN did a huge, huge thing with mobile and um, gave away basically nearly a half a million rand in prizes for mobile gaming. So that's getting competitive as well. Now, in other news, um, our friends at Amazon are creating a whole new uh, generation of cashierless 
retail stores. And uh, they caused major havoc yesterday. They announced that they're going to open as many as 3,000 new Amazon Co. Amazon Go, not Amazon Co. They are Amazon Co., but the, short, the stores are called Amazon Go cashierless stores in the next few years. Instantly, 7-Eleven and all the other um, you know, fast food shops like Subway and Panera in the U.S. and a whole lot of mom-and-pop pizzerias, etc., um, basically had heart attacks and shares fell in lots of uh, uh, shops. But essentially what the Amazon Go concept is is a totally smart take on how you use your smartphone and, and, and a brilliant use of just the current state of technology. What it is, if you haven't heard the show before, is a store with absolutely no cashiers at all. So what you do, you walk in, you, you open the Amazon app, scan at the, on the way in, then you walk into the shop, take a basket, help yourself to whatever you want, wherever you want it. You can take stuff off the shelf, you can put it back on the shelf, but the minute you put it in your basket or your bag, whatever it is, and walk out of the store, it charges your Amazon account. No fuss, no hassle, no problem whatsoever. It actually feels like stealing. I mean, you walk out of a shop without paying anyone, and it beeps you on your, your app through the Amazon app, and it pays. And the stores that they've got, they've got two in Seattle at the moment running very effectively. Aims at supplying, and this is why you know Subway and these mom-and-pop pizzeria-type things are that worried, it's offering obviously some basic convenience groceries, similar to what 7-Eleven does, um, but mostly focuses very strongly on pick up a quick bite, a quick drink, similar if you've been to the UK to the Pret-a-Manger type chain, sandwiches, wraps, you name it, it's available. And it's super quick and super fast. I mean, you walk in, scan your app, pick up whatever you want, walk out, and it's done, paid, simple. So, this technology and their platform is something that I think Amazon are actually going to start rolling out more and more globally. And um, a couple of retailers have actually told me that they're in discussions with Amazon over this type of technology. And how it works, everything is obviously uh, not barcoded. has an NFC chip like the tap to pay on your credit card. There's cameras everywhere. And all the shelves have got sensors that monitor stuff that's there coming off, coming on. Etc. Etc. So if you take a, coke, a can of Coke off the shelf, it registered as, as moved. The cameras watch you. They see you're not putting it into your basket, so it doesn't charge you yet. You put it back on the shelf. It registers. It's back on the shelf, and they don't charge you. But the minute you put it in your basket, it registers on your account. And when you walk out the store, all those things report to the sensors on the way out that you took them and you get charged. So it truly is a revolution in in retail. Whether that'll come to South Africa is probably another story altogether. I mean, Pick and Pay tried cashierless tills a little while ago at their store in Cape Town, and the unions went nuts. I was talking to one of these retailers being Pick and Pay, and they tried um, to bring, like you see in the UK and most of Europe and across the world, pay tills where you simply scan everything, pay with your credit card, no people involved, simple, slick, easy. They tried to bring it to South Africa to their stores, and there was a huge hoo-ha from the unions about jobs being lost without any real understanding of how it changes the operation, allows these guys to do a whole lot more. I mean, sitting at a till, just ringing up things is exactly not the most stimulating job in the world. But on that note, um, the whole Amazon 
complete cashierless store is definitely coming, and we're definitely seeing a whole new way of of shopping. And what is even more interesting is that in many ways, online shopping seems to have peaked in the U.S. Online shopping has changed the U.S. Um, and many other countries, not so much South Africa again, and certainly not in Europe in some in some places. But in America, online shopping has decimated the, the mall, closed down millions and millions of shops across the country, and changed the way that people do things. But there seems to be a swing back to convenient, technology-based, easy retail stores. And that's exactly what Amazon are doing. And on that note, we're going to have a quick break for our sponsors, and then I'm coming back with some more interesting news, something that also happened in America yesterday, and um, certainly gives Tesla something to think about. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Oh, hello there, and welcome back to the show. And what I'm talking, what I was alluding to before the break, is that Audi has gone fully electric, and they decided to launch their brand new fully electric SUV in Los Angeles, right under the nose of Tesla. And um, the new vehicle is called the, well, of course it is, it's called the e-tron, e-tron SUV. But this is the first uh, sort of Audi-based fully electric vehicle. They've been hybrids up to now, but uh, the race to electric is well and truly on with Mercedes launching theirs last week. I think it was actually the week before, sorry, the week before. Now Audi are doing it. Expect more and more of these cars coming up. They were a little light on the details, but the car is out there. It's going to sell for round about 1.3 million rand, which is not terribly cheap, but um, it's certainly in the league of high-end SUVs today, with the rand not being the strongest thing in the market at the moment. And they're saying that they're talking about a, a range of about 400 kilometers per charge, which, again, when you think about it, um, is actually not bad at all because – how much do you get on a tank of fuel? When you go fill up, on average you get three, four hundred, maybe five hundred on very big tanks. But a four hundred kilometer range is more than good enough for most uh, urban traveling and for running around a city. And especially if you're not doing long trips to Durban and Cape Town. But that's what's interesting now is that um, in conjunction with the other manufacturers, Land Rover in South Africa, have decided to uh, install charge points on all the major routes in time for December. This is what's interesting. Before For December 2018, all the major routes down to the coast and all the coastal routes and all the major cities along the coast will have a whole network of charging points um, going up, and the charging point will be pretty standard. So Audi, with a big presence in South Africa, the chances are they're going to bring this, this e-tron SUV um, to South Africa sometime very, very, very soon. It's going on sale um, this year in Europe and in the U.S. early 2019. So the chances are we may well see the Audi e-tron in South Africa in the nearish future. And it just looks super, super cool. If you really want to have a look at what it looks like, go online, Google Audi e-tron and see what it looks like. It should be quite a marked change and that is on the back of the whole dieselgate thing still not being 
uh, settled in Europe. There's still massive legal lawsuits against the whole VW group of which Audi is part of. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars worth of damages because investors maintain that uh, because VW did illegal stuff by fiddling with their computers to fool the emissions control systems, um, they may well be liable for a drop in the share price and loss of profits to the various investors. So they're going to pay for that. And in fact, unlike South Africa, what is really interesting, this was corporate fraud on a very high level. And um, a whole host, in fact, the current chairman of Audi is sitting in jail for the moment. um, And he's been denied bail. He is physically sitting in jail for not or rather being the head of a company that lied to so many agencies. And um, it looks like he may well stay there. They're going to have to replace him quite soon because uh, he can't exactly run Audi from jail. So they're definitely not out of the Dieselgate woods. That's the whole, you know, VW, Porsche and um, Audi group. So their response in terms of accelerating the whole electric thing, because there are many, many countries in Europe that by 2030 will ban all diesel cars from the road. So you can imagine the average age of cars in South Africa is somewhere between 15 and 20 years. So diesels are not going anywhere soon. But in Europe and England, I think, and France, Germany and England have actually said that by 2030, there will be no diesel motor vehicles on the roads. And that's what, 12 years away. And I mean, the average age of, if you buy a diesel car now, it's only 12 years old by the time it goes out of service. So we're going to see some interesting changes. There's no question that electric cars, even in South Africa, are going to become more and more popular. We're going to see them in less and less expensive cars. And let's just hope our, uh, our grid, our electricity grid, can keep up with the, with the changes that are coming because the pricing is actually extremely, extremely attractive in terms of charging. Right now, I think... Um, Jaguar were the whole Jaguar sort of group. We're talking about three rand a kilowatt, and if you've got a ninety kilowatt um, in uh, battery in your car, that's uh, one hundred and eighty, two hundred and seventy rand to fully charge a car to give you four hundred kilometers. That right now, if you look at petrol, you're talking about one thousand two hundred, one thousand one hundred rand, depending on your grade of fuel, to fill up a car for 400 k's so 270 rand is quite a big difference to charge up your car and that takes anywhere between 30 and 50 minutes so electric is definitely coming now before we switch to tech talk cafe and today what i'm going to be talking about is something i unfortunately had to miss in cape town this week gartner the big sort of consulting company had their annual symposium and where they discussed the whole concept of technology and business all sorts of interesting trends, all sorts of interesting solutions. They discussed the hype cycle of all the new trends, and there was just so much information. I've been following it remotely. It's been fascinating to understand how Gartner, which is a company that works with some of the biggest companies in the world, deal with technology, deal with the business of technology, and looking nearish future forward in the next two to five years, what technologies are going to come, which ones are going to possibly fade, which ones are going to change the way that we work. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But this last weekend, I did an incredibly interesting and and I had a really great time at Comic-Con South Africa. Now, Comic-Con has been sort of this cult following, which is science fiction, comics, you name it, 
um, pretty much in the U.S. for many, many years. And it's become incredibly well-known for the people that absolutely dress up as their stars, all arrive there in their various Star Wars and Star Trek and you name it, this cosplay and that came out of the whole gaming thing. And they all dress up and they carry around swords and dress up as, uh, as, as rangers and you name it. It's just unbelievable how much effort people put into looking the part and enjoying the show. Well, the first edition of Comic-Con came to South Africa. It was at Kailami. Interesting venue. Um, difficult to get there because you had to walk a million miles to get in. But once you were in, it was a mix of just standard technology and gaming. I mean, there was a big esports area. There was a, a stage where tons of interesting people from across the world were talking about not only technology but gaming, popular culture, all the stuff around comics. There was obviously a whole hall showing all the latest comics and fans around that. But the fun was really had by all the guys who dressed up and did lots of things. And one of the things that was an, a highlight for me is MTN did a really interesting gaming show, but they were using mobiles, not consoles or anything. And by using your mobile, you could win anywhere between 250,000 and 50,000 rand. For, so the top three, the, the guy who won got 250,000 rand. Uh, the guy uh, came second, got 100,000 rand. And the third place was 50,000 rand, which is quite significant uh, money for playing a mobile game, which is just unbelievable. So it was just a really, really interesting um, show. And I highly recommend if you've got any, any interest in science fiction, in technology, in gaming, in just dressing up and having a great time. There were young people, there were old people, there was absolutely everybody there. Kids were having a ball, they had lots of stuff for them. It was just a brilliant thing. They promised the 2019 edition will be bigger, better, and even more exciting. But it was just a great, great, great experience. Extremely well done. So many interesting people. My kids went and had pictures taken with stars from Big Bang Theory and all sorts of interesting stuff. It was just a, a great time had by all. And uh, kudos to the people who put it together. So keep your eye open. Comic-Con is coming back to South Africa 2019. So you missed it this time. Too bad for you. You missed a great weekend. But look out for next year. And we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe and all the news from Gartner Symposium straight after this. High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Welcome back to Tech Talk <clears throat> right here on High FM. And today, as I promised last week, I was trying to get Dr. Craig Nossel, who's the head of Vitality um, at Discovery Health in South Africa, to talk about their new Discovery, you know, Vitality open thing that's coming. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that later because the app's available for all of you who are not Discovery members. There's a way to get fit, get healthy, and win a few prizes. Unfortunately, because of Yom Kippur, uh, as of yesterday, he couldn't couldn't come, couldn't make an interview. I'm actually interviewing this afternoon. So if you want all the details of what Discovery up to, what Vitality up to, stay tuned. Listen in next week. We'll definitely have Dr. Craig Nossel on the show talking about what Discovery are doing. But <clears throat> as I said earlier, the one thing that I've been following quite strongly over the last little while, well, it started on Monday, was the Gartner Symposium or IT Expo 2018. Now, it's, it's, it's a show that I desperately try to go to every year. It doesn't always work. 
this year happened to fall over Yom Kippur, which was a little bit difficult. So I wasn't able to attend. But essentially, um, what Gartner do is they just get a whole host of the industry, all the guys who play games in the – well, games. It's not really games. Who play in the – game of big business and technology and they discuss the trends they discuss what's coming over the next little while what's going to impact business going forward right now and going forward and a lot how business should be responding to all these new tech trends and all the big so it's just a a collection of all the big businesses most of the corporates some of the smaller and more tech-savvy SMMEs in South Africa, along with representatives from HP, Dell, Huawei, you name it, all the guys who play in the enterprise technology and business technology space, along with SAP, um, Sage, you name it, all these guys get together, and it's just an absolute geek heaven of technology and technology trends. But essentially, um, too much to talk about in a 20-minute show, but Basically, it consolidated for me a lot of the trends, a lot of the stuff that I've been you know, following quite and talking about on the radio. It's not really gadgets, but it's just a fascinating look into what current technology trends that companies and not only big companies, small companies, you and I as individuals need to strategize around, understand where things are going and um, – just gives us a great insight into the where technology is coming and going in the next couple of years and where we are going to be as as a society because of this and the um one of the keynote speakers is Brian was Brian Burke he's the Gartner research vice president and Gartner as you may or may not know not only do a lot of consulting around these things but they also do an enormous amount of research into these type of trends. They talk to all businesses across the globe, and they've got a very, very interesting perspective on how all these things work. And what uh, Brian Burke um, highlighted were 10 key technology trends that are going to change pretty much everything in the way that we live, the way that we do business, and the way that we interact with businesses. And one of the first and key things, and something we've talked about a lot over the last little while, is essentially autonomous things. And I mean, that's a pretty broad area. Autonomous means pretty much machines and physical objects that think for themselves, do for themselves. You don't have to uh, instruct them. You don't have to chase them around. They do what you need them to do. And that's from simple little robots that run around a warehouse picking stuff, putting stock back on a shelf, down to cars that can drive you down the road and, um, you know, take you where you want to do. And according to Gartner, by 2021, 10% of vehicles manufactured will have autonomous capabilities. Truth be told, right now, a very small percentage of high-end Mercedes, BMWs, Lexus, Volvo, obviously, Teslas and Audis as well have almost, well, in fact, they cannot switch it on, but they have the capability of being fully autonomous. In other words, they can drive, they can reverse, they can park. I mean, one of the features on the new BMW 7 Series is using the remote key, you can actually get the car to reverse out of your garage and drive around the building and stop in front of you. You don't have to go and get your car at the garage. You can do it with a key and the car can do it autonomously. And if by accident... Your dog decides to walk behind the car as it's reversing out the garage. The car will stop. 
So all the systems are there. But no question, imagine 10% of the global car ranges all having fully autonomous capabilities. Whether or not they'll be able to drive on the road fully autonomously is a whole different thing. But the whole idea of autonomous things, and that includes trucking. In in Europe, they are trialing autonomous trucks that that pull up and, and get into a train, drive through um, Europe, peel off and, and deliver goods is a big thing, autonomous motorbikes. And in Australia already, autonomous trains from delivering coal from far-flung areas out in the sticks. They load them up. The train then drives all the way to um, the port where it needs to be offloaded, the coal or whatever it is, totally autonomously, no human beings in sight, down to, as I said, the little machines that pick and pack and deliver goods to use with drones potentially coming in the near future. So the, the, the one major trend to look forward to in the next little while is definitely autonomous things. It's combined with the whole idea of artificial intelligence, more like machine learning or very smart learning and all the sensors and stuff. But still, we're going to see a massive change to the way that we do business, the way that businesses are done, the way that we transport ourselves, the way we transport goods, and the way that we start looking at things. They'll be smart. They'll do stuff without actual instruction. And many cases, as uh, our friends at Pick and Pay thought, or the unions at Pick and Pay thought, take away jobs. But I think that in many cases, these types of technologies create jobs in other areas. So a lot of things need to change to take advantage of these these sort of future technologies. The next thing that we, he mentioned was augmented analytics. Now, analytics, in other words, big data analytics, understand what your customers are doing, understand what you are doing in your business, understand how a particular process or uh, a set of rules operate, down to how do traffic lights work across the city. Those sort of analytics have always been critical. But what has happened with the growth of machines, with the speed of computers today, with the sheer number of sensors that are out there collecting this information, these analytics are becoming smarter and smarter and smarter. And when you add the augmentation layer, which is part of the whole sort of system of um, autonomous things or smart machine learning, to that, what you're doing is not simply getting an analysis of what's going on. You're getting systems that, based on that analysis, based on the information that's being presented, you can actually make certain things happen. So, for example, if you've got a traffic pattern that suddenly one main road in Johannesburg gets super, super, super busy, it's fairly late at night, normally that the traffic lights on that road are pretty much 50-50, so 50% one way, 50% the other way. But the road gets really smart. The augmented smart systems that are running the traffic light system realizes that there's nobody coming into this main road. So why not keep the main road flowing pretty much all the time to speed up the traffic flow rather than just keep stopping people for no particular reason? That type of smart um, augmented analytics is definitely going to be a huge, huge, huge thing going forward. And the same thing will happen in businesses. If you know where you've got a whole lot of retail stores, you know that a particular incredibly hot day like it was yesterday, um, 
those stores are running low. You know the temperature's coming. You know that normally when the temperatures are high, your analytics tell you that you need more popsicles because people eat those on hot days and it's a weekend. The analytics, instead of simply telling someone about it, will actually simply place the orders and send the stock to those places and make sure that all the right colors, right flavors, and right amount of stock is sitting in the store right there for the customer to buy without anybody actually doing anything and move stock around depending on how things work. So this type of augmented analytics is definitely, definitely um, coming in a big way. The next thing is development using artificial intelligence. Now, I, it's a mega trend according to Gartner, and there's no question that machine learning or smart algorithms I don't really want to call it AI because it's not truly artificial intelligence. It doesn't think for itself, even though it emulates thinking for itself to a large extent. I suppose where does the difference come in? But the truth is there is no question, 40%, according to Gartner, of new application development projects. So all these development projects, all these projects where they're creating systems for businesses or apps or things that interact with customers, with me and you, business-to-business, you name it, or customer-to-business, are being developed using a form of AI or a form of machine learning that is an augmented way to create a much, much better um, sort of interaction. I mean, they gave one example about um, it's being applied in a U.S. fast food franchise called Kelly Burger, which uses AI to interact with customers at restaurants via digital touchscreen. And what they were talking about is a type of bot. So you walk in, instead of talking to a person, you can either tap onto a screen or talk to a voice prompt and say, hi, I'd like a burger. And it'll come back to you and say, what type of burger? And you'll say a cheeseburger. You'll say, do you want a double patty or a single patty? All this type of interaction is being managed by a computer and no longer by a human being. It can happen quickly on a, on a, on a, on a sort of WhatsApp type setup on a tablet or via voice. So that is coming more and more and more. And it's, it's a trend to watch because it's going to change the way that you interact with businesses quite considerably over the next little while. The next thing that he highlighted, now this one I'm not entirely convinced about, but they, they call it the digital twin. And they say it's a mega trend and it's burgeoning around the world and it's going to come more and more and more. Now, what they say is that more than half of large industrial companies will be utilizing digital twins by 2021, and this should result in a 10% improvement in effectiveness. And essentially, what it means in, in many, many, many ways is that smart factories, smart buildings can be trialed and refined before they fully fledge them, fully fledged out, uh, rolling out. So because of the ability to store so much information in a virtual environment, something I've spoken about before. You'll be able to model entire cities in a computer well before you do anything and see what the effectiveness and efficiency of it is. And this is pretty fundamental. I'm not sure it's going to go to quite the scale that they're thinking about. But imagine if you could simply run all the variables based on all the information you've collected about your little business or your big business over the last couple of years, how people buy, buying patterns, socioeconomic changes, people want yellow, then they want red, whatever the case may be. Imagine if you could model all that in real time before you'd make any changes to your business and you keep doing it while you run your existing business. In other words, you create a digital twin 
of your business. The twin is where you can try what ifs. What if we do this and suddenly you find, wow, sales went up 10% according to the twin. Let's try it in the real world. And that is only possible because of the sheer amount of massive computing power that is growing um, around the world. Data centers are getting more and more powerful, both in-house and, you know, the, the hyperscale centers that you can, like Amazon and Google and these guys, that you can just pay a little bit of money to to do it. So the whole concept of of basically creating a digital twin, creating an environment where you can what if in the real world as if you were playing in your own business and then accelerate. So you don't have to wait three months for the sales cycle to work itself out. You can model it in the software. You can speed up the results and say, you know what, that product will sell, that service won't work, et cetera, et cetera. And it actually, when you think about it, has a fundamental change on how we do business. It's like having a, a, a crystal ball. Imagine if you could play with your business and figure out what people will do before you actually commit any real money, real stock, or real resources to doing that. So watch that trend. It should be quite interesting. I think it would work really good on big-scale projects like cities, big businesses with multiple moving parts, and certainly companies that have collected data over years. But there's no question that that type of technology will trickle down to the smallest business. If there's enough information about a market you want to try, something you don't have to go and gut feel anymore you can actually put all the parameters in this is what i want to do these are the colors i have these are the products i want to sell or these are the services i want to do and some little smart computer platform will figure out if that's a good idea or not i'm not saying it'll be 100 percent effective but it'll be really a lot better to go into business knowing that there's a 76 percent chance that your product or service will be needed and wanted and these are the out are the likely outcomes the next thing he spoke about was something they call the empowered edge. Now, I think that's a fancy way of saying smart edge machines. We've talked about the Internet of Things. More and more devices are going to be reporting more and more information back to platforms and processes and data and whatnot elsewhere. But what they are talking about is that the, these devices will not simply be passive. They won't simply sit there and record who's arriving at your front door. They will be active. So someone walks up to your front door, looks at the camera, or pushes your bell, doesn't even know there's a camera, and it happens to be someone you've authorized to enter your home because it's your son, it's your father, it's your uncle, it's the plumber, whoever. The door will then look at this person, recognize his face, and let him in. It's a simple, it's a very simple example. But before what would have happened, and in fact you can get systems right now, you can use, it'll give you an alert on your smartphone and you'll see your, through the camera who's standing at the door and you can push a button and unlock your front door. But this is a lot smarter. The empowered edge, the device itself, the platform in the home will say, I know this person, he doesn't need a key, he's, been, he's, he's allowed to come in, I'm going to open the door. It might notify you that Joe Soap has wandered in to fix the plumbing or Johnny, your son, has arrived from overseas and decided to just come in. But because you've authorized that person, you won't even need to do anything. The edge is smart. The edge is empowered. And we're going to see more and more of that sort of stuff coming. So not only will devices be reporting back and sending information, they'll be taking decisions based on certain parameters all by themselves and make things incredibly easy and incredibly simple. One of the last sort of things 
that I really want to discuss in this sort of thing is what they call immersive experience. And the whole immersive experience is, is talking about the combination of virtual reality, which we've talked about in the show, and augmented reality. Now, we'll talk a little bit about a practical example of augmented reality in my gadget, or rather my, my upgrade of the week, which is iOS 12. But these two technologies, virtual reality is immersive you in another world. That I don't think is going to become super mainstream. You're going to see people wandering down the road wearing a virtual reality headset, and you're certainly not going to see a family sitting in a lounge or with virtual reality headsets watching TV. Not something that I think is going to be socially acceptable for many, many, many years. But augmented reality through either headset or through your phone is definitely becoming more and more useful. And I mean, a perfect example of this is something that Toshiba announced. It's a product you can buy off the shelf now. It's obviously aimed at big service companies. So, for example, you're a company that sells fancy photocopiers. And you've got a team of people that come and service those photocopiers. They, they need to normally carry around manuals and all sorts of stuff about how to fix them. Well, imagine if you could pop on a set of glasses, connect it to your computer, and when you look inside the, the actual device, it will give you all the information you need in a visual presentation about what you need to do to disconnect things, what parts should look like, what things need to be touched and done. And as you say, well, that's broken. It tells you how to take that piece out, put it in, which wires to connect where. It's all an augmented reality. It really, really makes a huge difference. And according to Gartner, 70% of enterprises will be experimenting with this technology by 2020, and 25% will have deployed production-ready offerings into the market in that regard. Two other areas that really came up, but I'm not going to discuss them here, was blockchain. That's a whole other story. And privacy and ethics being the last really smart thing that uh, was discussed. But all of these things are going to change the way that we work. We're going to have profound impacts on business, the way business is done. And it was just fascinating to get their understanding of where it is and certainly their research into actually how these things are happening right now in businesses that you and I deal with every single day. And on that note, we're going to have to have a quick break and then I'll be back straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m. only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. I could have gone on about what was going on at the Gartner Symposium for many, many ideas, but I think I highlighted a couple of key areas around fundamental change that's coming in technology over the next little while. And for the, for the most part, these are going to be pretty invisible to you and I. You want a service, you want a product, you want to interact with a company, finance company, you name it. It's going to happen any which way that you do it in any event. But behind the scenes, these interactions are fundamentally going to change. They're going to be computer-assisted. And the premise, the promise that every business has is twofold. One, offer a better service to customers, one that's more appropriate to what you want. You're not going to find that they're being offered products and services that really have no relevance to you or to your business, or they're going to be just more tailored to your specific and exact needs, and that's a huge mega trend in and of itself. And on the other hand, the companies offering these services will make their operations much, much, much more efficient. They'll only keep the stocks that people possibly want. They won't have to keep a broad range of, of product that perhaps 
people don't want. There's definitely a movement globally to people buying much higher quality product in far lower quantities. It's coming through very strongly in the fashion industry. We're using technology. People can custom make products, clothing that people can wear for years. They don't need like the current thing where every season you have to go and buy new stuff because the stuff doesn't last and next year it's all finished and and, and, and out of fashion. But let's see. Those are all massive, massive mega trends. And bringing things right down to right now, as of Tuesday night, Apple launched iOS 12. And I've had a lot of people um, ask me, as usual, I'm happy. My phone's working great. Should I upgrade? This whole fear of upgrading is a real thing. There's no question that a lot of people are very worried about all these constant upgrades and iOS 12 is a big upgrade, anywhere between 2.5 and 3.5 gigs. So do it on a Wi-Fi network. Or if you really can't and you're really not comfortable, iStores across the country are offering a free upgrade service. You just need to f- go online, make a booking, or phone in, make a booking. You can wander in and take a chance. But they will do the iOS 12 upgrade for you absolutely free of charge using their bandwidth, no no questions asked. And it is a big one. Finally, I think the fear of upgrading is gone. There's just no question. I've been using the iOS 12 beta from the first beta all the way through to the current um, to the current final version for quite a few months now. And this is without doubt the most stable um, release that uh, Apple have ever done. And it's a massive improvement in overall functionality. And one of the coolest things about iOS 12 is that unlike one of the other fears that everybody's got is every time you bring out a brand new operating system, certainly on the iPhone, it's a bit heavier. It seems to slow your phone down. It seems to create uh, the need. A lot of people have said this as well, the need to upgrade because they slow your phone down. So the new phone feels fast with the latest operating system. Well, Apple took that since the debacle they had about the whole battery thing slowing your phone down last year. They took it to heart. And iOS 12 absolutely will speed up your phone. From the old 5S, not the 5, but the 5S um, iPhone, all the way up to the iPhone X, it will speed your phone up, which is amazing. I've never seen this before in, in, a, in an operating system, but I've tried it on a 5S, on a 6 on a 7 Plus, on an 8, and an iPhone X. And in every single instance, everybody who uses those phones has said to me they've noticed a noticeable smoothness and improvement in performance. A couple of issues around battery life, but that is normal. That's one thing that most people must realize, that any new operating system, once it's installed, needs to re-index, resettle down. And the first day or two, you may well have poorer battery life. But overall, the improved efficiency... And according to Apple's tests, you should have at least the same, if not better, battery life than you had before, along with a a jump in performance. Apps will open faster, they'll run smoother, and things will just be a lot crisper and cleaner in general. But that's just the back-end stuff. And it's certainly compatible with a lot of the older iPhones, whereas the the version 10 or 11 before actually didn't work that well uh, on older iPhones at all. So all the way down to the iPhone 5S, the iPhone SE, the 6, 7, 8, and the X, iOS 12 brings a whole lot of um, 
improvements. In fact, according to Apple, it's 70% faster to swipe to the camera, <clears throat> and the keyboard displays 50% faster than before. So an app should also launch at least 50% faster than they did in the past. One of the other cool new features, it looks very similar to iOS 11, but one of the cool new features that this has also brought is you can now FaceTime. A lot of people don't use FaceTime in South Africa, but in the U.S. it's bigger than WhatsApp. Um, you can now FaceTime with more than one person. So you can have a whole conference call set up with a whole chunk of people um, using FaceTime. They brought a whole new type of emoji, which are really cool, and they've also created something called Memojis, which is on the iPhone X, where you can animate your face and create a little moving avatar with talking and sticking tongues out, and it's just pretty cool. Real fun. You can then send them with up to 30 seconds worth of voice to friends and family, and they've got all sorts of new ones. Um, they've got a new T-Rex, they've got a ghost, they've got a koala bear and a tiger for the Animojis. I can see Craig's looking at me because we're nearly, nearly at our next break. The other thing it's got, which is really useful, is something called you can check up on your screen time. So it's got a screen time app, which tells you how long you spend on your phone. And you can actually use it for kids to block when they can actually use the phone. So it's really, really useful. What they're saying, it just gives you an amazing insight into what you do on your phone at any point in time. So if you believe the kids are spending too much time on their phones, this app will actually show you exactly what they're doing, when they're doing it, and how often they do it by the day, by the app, by the hour. It's just pretty smart, and it, it certainly does create um, <laughs> a couple of interesting conversations about all sorts of things. Siri also has improved dramatically. I must tell you that the new Siri, there's a whole new way of interacting with Siri. You can set up passphrases. So, for example, if I say, hey, Siri, what's my next trip? And Siri actually has, I set it up, and it uh, decided to tell me exactly what my next trip overseas is for the next event. So there's a big improvement in Siri. I'll come back with a couple other updates and my app of the week straight after this. With Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And as usual, time flies when you're talking tech. But just to wrap up the whole iOS 12 um, update, as I said, it will definitely speed up your older phone. It will improve the battery life or at least keep it where it is and bring you a whole lot of new useful features that I think you can use. But <clears throat> one of the new sort of cool apps that I absolutely have to talk about is the new Measure app in iOS 12. Now, who hasn't got a tape measure? Who doesn't need to know how long a curtain is, how tall a ceiling is, how big a particular box is so you can use it? You can measure anything using augmented reality with a Measure app. And as I was alluding to, augmented reality is going to become more and more part of how we work. And how augmented reality works, it simply uses the camera on your phone to place a physical object in a virtual environment. So, for example, or to place a virtual object into a physical environment, either way you want to do it. Either one's generated by the, by the, the computer, the phone, or the other one is taking a picture of a keyboard, a box, a bubble, you name it. It doesn't matter what you take a picture of. But using the Measure app, you can then actually get the physical dimensions of that particular object. You want to measure how big a screen is, take a picture of it, it pops up in the screen, 
swipe across, and you get the measurement. So it is without question, I think, for many people, one of the more useful apps that they've done. You can measure rooms. In fact, there's absolutely no limit to the amount of things that you can measure. And it gives you absolute measurements in 3D of some objects, in 2D, 2D um, of a room, a physical box, you name it. And it's a standard app that comes in with iOS 12, and it works like an absolute bomb. So give it a shot and measure absolutely everything in your life. And it, it really is just simple to use. It's there. You just look for – you can just swipe down or swipe up, look, search for measure, and it'll pop up. Now, there are a whole lot of other little cool improvements. Photos has improved dramatically. A whole lot of other little improvements come with it. Um, it's got – oh, I forgot to mention. The, the measure app's got a built-in level. You don't have to carry a level around. Put your phone down and see exactly how flat something is. So it's an absolute must upgrade. It's free. It has no cost except for some data. If you can't or don't want to download so much data, pop into an iStore somewhere, upgrade your phone to iOS 12, and that includes the iPad. There's a whole host of improvements on the iPad, which I'm not even going into. But if you're an iPhone fan and you have an iPhone and you've resisted any upgrades up to now, this is an absolute I wouldn't say guaranteed successful upgrade because nothing's guaranteed in life, but the chances are it will make your your phone, your iPad work far better than it did in the past, bring some cool features, and it's just a really must, must upgrade. So get out there, just go to settings, go to, um, oh, crumbs, I've forgotten the name, but anyway, it's easy to do. You just go to settings, you go to uh, general, and you look for software upgrade, it'll Download it automatically for yourself, and off you go. Oh, guess what? I have a new upgrade. But anyway, let's not go there. <laughs> They're already launching new betas. So that's iOS 12 from Apple, out now, available now for anybody who wants to use it. And before we wrap up the show for today, I just wanted to discuss my app of the week, and that is Discovery Vitality. They've launched their new Discovery Open Vitality Open initiative. They've opened Vitality to anybody, not just Vitality members, but anybody who wants to join Vitality can do so now for the next 90 days. And what it means is that using your phone, using your activity tracker, um, you can now get Vitality points. You can score smoothies. They've got a lovely little gamified game where you can get smoothies, you can get lunches, you can even win prizes up to a 1,000 Rand, fuel for a, for life. All sorts of stuff simply by modifying your behavior, walking 10,000 steps, driving better. So the entire Vitality program is open. It's what I wanted to talk to Dr. Craig Nossel about, but it's open to anybody. You don't have to be a Discovery Health member. You can sign up for it now by downloading the app on Android or iOS. Just look for the Discovery app on either one of those platforms. Log in, sign up, and you could be winning smoothies at gym. Uh, and and playing all sorts of games to win lots of really interesting prizes. The whys and the what-fors. Why are they doing this? Ostensibly is to help people get healthier. What they're doing is trying to encourage people to behave better. But that detail we will have for you next week. So if you want to find out all about Vitality, what Discovery have found through their masses amount of data they've collected, stay tuned. I'll be interviewing Dr. Craig Nossel this afternoon for broadcast next week Thursday. So 
it's definitely my app of the week. I think you should go out there, get it, download it, and get healthier and drive better. So on that note, we have to wrap it up. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.